This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset listeners, you guys are incredible. Just remember, you can do whatever you decide, whatever you dream of, put your mind to it, and you can make it happen. Wanted to thank everyone who's hit subscribe or left a review on iTunes and wanted to shout out this review from Nadia. Love the vibe. Awesome new podcast. Look forward to many, many, many more episodes. Thank you, Nadia, and thank you, everyone who's been helping us move up the charts on iTunes, reach more people with our message, and help more people have that realization that if they can do it, I can do it. So let's jump into another great interview. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. Really excited to have Anson Young on the show today. Anson, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am doing well. Anson is a full-time real estate investor, licensed agent, author based out of Denver, his best-selling book published by Bigger Pockets, titled Finding and Funding Deals has helped thousands of investors grow their business. And over his 12-year career, he's leveraged tons of different investing strategies and completing hundreds of projects and is currently focused full-time on flipping houses. That sounds right. You seem to know what you're doing. That's, that's what I like <laughs> to hear, Anson. Some days. Some days are better than others. I love it. I love it. So you've <laughs> obviously hit success. You've been doing this for 12 years. If we take a look back Earlier on in your life, in your childhood, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? So yeah, that's a that's a great question, um, and something that I haven't thought a lot about honestly till recently. And uh, you know, my childhood was interesting. Um, I lived for like ten years with my mom and my stepdad. Uh, my mom passed away when I was ten. That's obviously a big life changing um, wow. event that'll happen. Yeah, and then I moved in with my dad. Um, so I moved cities, moved schools, you know, moved away from my brothers, that kind of thing, and was kind of in a whole different environment um, over there. I felt like I had kind of this, you know, go to Disney World, um, you know, go skiing every weekend, um, to then living with my dad, which is just a whole different thing. So I feel like I kind of had two childhoods, um, kind of packed in one and and scattered with these events. And I think if anything, it just taught me. Um, resilience, uh, basically being comfortable. I don't know if on my own is the right, the right thing to say, but just being comfortable in my own skin, um, finding out what I like, what I like to do, um, and not having a lot of downward influence kind of change or shape me. I kind of found my own way in a lot of respects. Wow. That's, uh, that's some pretty powerful, impactful stuff. I could only imagine what that, what that would be like. When all of that happened, what changed? What shifted like in your day-to-day as, as a kid back then? Well, I mean, a lot, honestly. There was, uh, <clears throat> you know, like I said, like living with, with my two older brothers. Um, one was going away to college at the time. Um, the other one's four years older than me. And so going from that to kind of almost overnight, you know, living in a new house, in a new um, city, Obviously, I'd been there before. It's my dad, you know, um, gone to visit and stayed weekends and stuff like that. But now I'm living there full time, enrolled in a whole new school with a whole different kind of demographic of just all kinds of of um, different kids there. Um, I felt like that that was that was honestly at the time I would say that I hated it, but 
on looking back, I, it's what I needed. You know, I was exposed mm-hmm. to a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different um, attitudes and mindsets. And I fell in with a pretty good group of of um, of my friends, and really was inspired by you know some of them were in martial arts. A lot of them just wanted to kind of better themselves day to day, and um, and that was that was pretty awesome growing up in that kind of environment with friends like that. That's pretty strong. I don't know that a lot of kids get to experience that early on in life, and especially to go from one way of thinking and to change that that early on in your life had to make a pretty big impact. That's that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I I really lasted at home there for about seven years before I got kind of got kicked out. So before I graduated, <laughs> um, I was I wasn't quite on my own. I went to live with some family friends, and um, again, another positive environment to 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 go into. And so, really, no complaints there. It was a it was a good shift for everybody. I think. Yeah. So. Pretty big change. I have to imagine that kind of pushed you down a certain path. But from a real estate investing standpoint, what's your primary focus? What are you doing 90% of your time? What what type of investing are you doing today? Yeah, so 90% of my time I'm doing flipping. The other 10, I'm doing wholesaling and some agent stuff. Um, really focused on flipping right now, but I have I have some things that I'm kind of working on in the future that I'm trying to gear some more percentage towards for a longer term. Uh investments. But right now, you know, just kind of head down, fine tuning what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, I love that. What 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 are you thinking about going to next? Well, I've had enough people trying to kick my butt for long enough to, you know, every time I talk to them, they're like, Oh, that's cool. We'll have you, you know, what are you going to do long term? What's what's kind of your long term solutions and your long term plays. And of course, flipping houses is, is like just getting bigger paychecks. Uh, but you still have to grind through those transactions in order to get to where you want to go. So the long-term play, you know, single family rentals, multifamily, um, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it's, and it's a big shift for me because I've been in this transactional world for so long that longer term financing, um, you know, property management, all that stuff is kind of, you know, I know those as concepts and I know enough people who are smart enough who do it, but me personally, it's like walking into a new thing and going, Okay, I don't have personal experience here, but I can lean on those other people for, you know, a lot of those filling in the holes basically. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that's a huge shift. So, for mo- most of your career you've been focused on the transactional side. W- Why did you focus there? Why did you end up going with the wholesaling and flipping model? I think I think it's just where I've been comfortable. And um comfort is kind of the enemy of progress sometimes. You know, it's like, I really understand what I do. And, and honestly, I've been chasing the, the quicker, bigger money versus the longer term kind of impact of what cash flow can do for you. And so um, I'm going to admit that I'm, I've been stuck there for a while. And really just, you know, it's, it's exciting to get $30,000 paychecks. It's never exciting to get, you know, $100 a door per month or whatever the, the standard was. And so for me, I was like, hey, I can get 30 grand now and, and move on to the next one and move on to the next one and keep, keep, keep going. But at the end of the day, it's just a, it's basically just a job, you know, and if you don't have that next deal in the pipeline, you're not going to eat in, you know, four months or whatever it is. So it makes it, it makes it tough, but I've been, I've been trying to expand myself to get out there and, uh, and learn more about it so I can overcome the fear of, 
you know, something new, you know, it should be a tr- pretty smooth transition. But I think if anybody admits it, you know, it's it's new, it's different, it, you know, it has a different risk profile. And so, uh, you know, just getting through all that. Do you think you're going to make like a hard shift and just go 100% in that other direction? Or are you going to slowly transition some of your time that way? I think I'm going to more slowly transition my time that way. Basically try to roll um, instead of just keeping keeping profits and and using them maybe unwisely, uh, keep profits and then roll them into longer term projects. And so uh, that that that's a pretty big shift, and it's something that's going to happen a little bit over time. So yeah, I think that's smart. It's definitely a safer approach. You're already an expert in one space, and for you to take that expertise and start learning how to apply it to a new space is a great direction. So right. You've been doing this for 12 years. I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. Um, talk to me about a time you ran into a challenge and uh, tell us a little story about that. Yeah, so um, I think my very first challenge out of the gate was um, when I, you know back before real estate and then what transitioned me into real estate. So I was in IT uh, for about four years. And around that time, around 2003, it's like everybody got laid off because of the dot-com kind of bubble burst and uh and all my friends who were in IT were got laid off once or twice and um and so you know I got laid off and I go well now what do I do you know it's like and of course I tried to get another IT job it was pretty hard at that time so I actually just started bartending hmm. um just like you know something that was new but was fun honestly and I was making pretty much the same as I was in IT but less responsibility you know could talk to people all day. Mm-hmm. So basically right up my alley, you know, I, and I, and I guess I was kind of faced with a choice. Like, do I try to go find something new or do I double down on it, which means more, more schooling, more certifications, uh, basically kind of hyper niche yourself so that you can uh, get a job in some industry. And so my mindset shifted there through, um, Getting Rich Dad Poor Dad, which of course was the book that launched you know thousands and thousands of investors. But mm-hmm. you know, a friend of mine who's a teacher um, handed it to me right before I had moved down to uh, Phoenix, and so mm-hmm. uh, he handed it to me, and I read it all the way down there when I wasn't driving the moving van, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I consumed that book and kind of landed new city, new thing, right? So I was I was I was gung ho from there. So that taking the adversity, I guess, of the, the obstacle of being laid off and not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And then having the, the the gumption, I guess, to go out and, and do something totally new. I had no idea what I was doing. It's a pretty, it's a pretty scary place to be in. When you're thinking right. about jumping into an industry that is completely outside of anything you've ever done. In, in IT is a world, I used to work in uh, project management for IT. And IT is a world where you can make a lot of money. It might not sure. be exciting. Some of it is quite exciting and some of it's quite fulfilling, but not, not always is not always the case. Um, how did you go about thinking about that when you decided, Hey, I'm going to leave the safety of the it world where I know I can always have a job, uh, versus maybe going out and trying to do something that you were excited about. Right. And I, and I always felt like I couldn't fall back really on it. I had, I had some experience, but not enough to fall back like on a six figure job, you know, it was like falling back on a, you know, network admin, you know, junior network admin type position. Mm -hmm. So you're starting again from the bottom, 
you know, working in a cubicle farm and all that stuff. And I just, I really hated that stuff Mm -hmm. to start with. So that mind, I think that rich dad, poor dad literally just, just exploded the top of my head. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just so fundamentally changing to my mindset shift. It was just Mm -hmm. like, you know, my dad worked 30 years and then retired and I was just like, okay, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. And I, I remember having yeah. a conversation with that same friend who handed me the book. And we were like, okay, so you can get one mortgage, but what, who in their right mind is going to give you two mortgages? You know, like talking about rental properties, like that, that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound real. You're going to have to have all this cash and all this money. And then after reading that book and, and starting to really talk to people who were in it every single day, which is basically the first thing I did down in Phoenix was go and try to find anybody that I could who was doing it and doing everything I could to get in front of them to pick their brain about it. And um, and once I found out that like real people were doing it and how they were doing it, that was that was a huge shift in my mind. I was like, oh, that means maybe I could do it. And so um, I think that that mm-hmm. was kind of that shift of like, here's the knowledge or here's like the concept through rich dad, poor dad, and then finding people, real people who are actually doing it. And then of course, uh, pointing that right back to me. Oh, maybe I could do this. Yeah. If he can do it, right. I can do it. I love that. And so where did you end up going and finding those people to model and, and learn? So, from? I mean, the, I basically just hit Google, tried to find any real estate investment club that I could. And I just started going you know, have I, I did have a, a little bit of a safety net where we had some savings and I and I did just bartend here and there. Um, my wife found a job right away. So that was, you know, I, I kind of had this freedom to go out and explore this new thing. But I went out and I, I went to every single real estate investor club meeting. There's like, I think three at the time in Phoenix. And I just talked to everybody that I could. And I tried to set up lunches and coffees. And, you know, I went and I did, um, I call them, you know, crappy jobs for whoever I could she said, listen, I will trade my time. You know, I'll go punch, you know, signs in the ground in the middle of Phoenix summer for the exchange of just your time. Mm. Like, you know, sit down with me for a half hour. Tell me how you do this, how you do that, how you count properties, what MLS looks like. Um, so going from zero, I was willing to put in that time and work and kind of mm. benefit them before I, I, I asked for anything Mm -hmm. like I will do. And and I literally, I delivered contracts. I knocked on doors. I punched uh, signs in the ground. I did whatever it took to try to get as much information as I could. I love that. I love that because that's the way that I started learning was trading my experience and time for an opportunity to learn from somebody. It's incredible how, how people are willing to give you all their knowledge, if you just show them in some way that you're really committed to it. And I can tell that that was kind of the mindset that you went into those conversations with. Anson. Right, exactly. It was literally just like, what can I do for you? And at the time, I had no idea that that's, it's obviously a concept in this world. But, you know, what can I do for you um, to help you out and maybe free up some of your time? And then you don't feel so bad if you're taking some time to teach me about these little things like very basic concepts that I had no idea existed. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's really powerful. So you have obviously went out there, you decided that you were going to take some action. You decided you were going to learn this real estate thing. And then you went and found some people who you could learn from two very powerful things, modeling and, and being decisive. But what always happens whenever you go to learn something new, you end up getting punched in the face. It happens to all of us. We end up losing money or we run into some wall, some challenge along the way. Have you ever lost money on a flip? 
Yeah, I have a few times. Um, my my very first time was my it was my third flip, and um, things were going really well with this contractor, and um, he had done. Let's see. Now this is my fourth flip. He had done two other flips for me before that, and he was knocking it out of the park. He was on time, on budget. You know, his finishes were great. I sold those two projects, made more than I ever had in um, ever. And so it just made sense. Like this guy has a good track record. Um, I'm just going to keep using him. And I kept noticing every time I'd go out to the property and I, I was probably getting a little complacent. I wasn't going out there as much. Um, and I mm-hmm. started noticing little details that were getting missed or uh, material selections that were a little bit off the mark. And it was kind of kind of curious and at the same time was, you know, it, it started to set off red flags of like, uh-oh, what's going on? And so what had happened was uh, basically I got a call like New Year's Day um, from another friend of mine who was using the same contractor and was just like, hey, if you have anything down to their warehouse, go get it because they're about to get a, like a tax raid, you know, like a seizure on their whole place. Wow. And so thankfully I didn't have anything down there, but I was about $10,000. My last draw was like 10 grand. They were going to finish up this project. Turns out they didn't pay anybody and the guy just kind of took off with everybody's money. And so I started getting people coming to my door, hardwood guys and, and, and different vendors who were like, Hey, this guy didn't pay us. You're still basically on the hook for this money, which you are as the owner. And so you know, I was paying them out of pocket, trying to play catch up. So I lost 10 grand plus probably another 10 grand that I paid out. And that one, that one wasn't like, I guess in the grand scheme of things, wasn't a lot. But at the time, it was like everything I had, mm-hmm. you know, so that 20 grand loss was yeah. like everything that I had. And so it, it definitely took a lot out of us and literally had to sit back and go, how can we? Like, what do we need to do so that this doesn't happen again? How can we grow and change? Or is this even the business for us? You know, that always comes comes across early in your career when you get punched in the face and you're like, mm-hmm. crap, maybe maybe this isn't. You know, the first two were amazing or the first three were amazing. This one, crap, like we cannot afford to pay 20 grand per property. <laughs> like that's not the goal here. And so, yeah, it was it was a huge punch. So you asked yourself some really good questions, which I want to underline in a second. Why didn't you just give up right then, throw in the towel and go back to IT? I think by then, I think by then I saw the light. You know, I saw that this was um, something that's profitable, that's fun, that we're getting better at. And, and you know, you're a little bit younger and we didn't have, uh, and I think my son was just born, so... Um, so I kind of had this pressure of like, I need to do something and make something work. And this is what I want to make work. And so I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. And so uh, kind of just pick yourself up and keep going because otherwise, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck at like starting over somewhere else. And we'd already put in a lot of effort and, uh, you know, we, we'd already seen the first checks and they were great. And we knew that they could come again. And so we just kept pushing forward and yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did. I'd, I'd regret quitting in 2010 when we got that punch. I really regret it now. And so I'm glad that we kept going. Yeah, it's powerful because we've all lost money. Every real estate investor I know that's done any kind of volume or taken any kind of big projects on has lost money somewhere along the way. Now, you don't want to lose money right off the bat because it sometimes can knock you out. 
But I, I want to point out something that you, you did there that I thought was really powerful is you asked yourself the right questions. You didn't ask yourself, why me? Why is this happening? Telling yourself that there's no way that you can make it happen. You asked like, how can we avoid this in the future? How can we move forward? How can we learn from it? And thankfully, when you did ask yourself the question, should we give up on this and keep doing it? Luckily for us, you answered no, so you could teach us all a little bit about finding deals. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think about it sometimes. Like I was talking to my wife, Stacy, this morning about it. And yeah, and she kind of echoed that sentiment of like, like, yeah, we really had to, you know, dig deep and keep keep going and kind of keep the faith, so to speak, in in what we're doing. And uh, and I think that's huge. Like you could definitely lose belief in yourself, which then cascades down to a whole lot of other problems um, moving forward. If you don't believe in what you're doing or if you don't believe that you can do it, you're going to run into yourself basically and uh, and stop right there and stop progress. So that's so good. So obviously, you've written uh, an amazing book, Finding and Funding Great Deals, published by Bigger Pockets, which has done phenomenal. I have a a copy of it back there on the bookshelf behind me. Tell us, like, when someone's going in and they're going to be going out and looking for deals, they're going to be looking for funding. What kind of things, from a mindset perspective, do they have to keep in mind, Anson? I think from a mindset perspective, you really have to get clear and focused on where you're at and where you want to go. Um, I know for sure when I started for that first year, I was very just scattered. And I was trying, you know, lease options and I was trying basically everything that's a shiny object that you can just go chase. And once I kind of, actually the minute I basically laser focused and I said, okay, I'm going to do a flip or I'm going to wholesale. So they're pretty, they're pretty close together. Um, it's at least not a thousand different things. It's, you know, one or two different things. Once I really laser focused in my mind of like, okay, I'm not going to look at 200,000 different things. I just got to look for these two things. And those formulas and those properties are very specific. So you're not going to waste your time um, looking at all these different deals. You're going to look for wholesales or flips. And so once I, once I really laser focused my mindset, it blew away all of the distractions and I could really just focus on what I want to do. And it wasn't more than, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later that, I, that we found, you know, our very first deal and really ran the numbers as one thing, you know, we're going to run these numbers as a flip. Um, mm -hmm. Even if we have to like move into it and fix it up ourselves, we're going to move in and fix it up ourselves. Those are the numbers. That's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so going from there, really um, that laser focus is what really changed my mind starting out. And when you're starting out, you can be distracted by a million things. It's like pick one thing, stick with it, and and you'll see huge Huge improvement for sure. Huge. That is such a powerful statement right there. Get really clear on what you want to do and right. do one thing and do it really well. And then once you do that one thing really well, then maybe you can add another thing and focus on doing that right. to your best ability. But if you try to go down six different roads, you're not going to go down any right, of them. Right, exactly. And I found myself right there. I mean, literally was stuck. Like, trying to learn, you know, and, and, and even, even the education space when I was trying to you know, learn 10 different things and 10 different exit strategies. And it was like, I was so paralyzed, you know, I was like, is this, you know, how much of a lease option payment do I take? And, and it's like, no, 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 focus on that one thing. And even if it is lease options, go after that full time, but don't, don't chase the 10 things. You will hinder your progress immensely. I love that. I love that. That's really powerful. 
That's really powerful stuff, Anson. So over a 12-year career, obviously you've seen a lot of changes in the real estate market. You've seen good times, you've seen bad times. How do you stay strong and keep moving when uh, the market shifts and all the strategies that were working for you yesterday no longer work tomorrow? Right. I think that um, you know, kind of in that mindset shift space, the uh, the book Shift by Gary Keller came around mm-hmm. around the same time. I think that REOs were really starting to drop off, and that was our number one strategy at the time. Was and honestly, one of my favorite times in real estate was just buying you know, property straight off of MLS, you know, their bank owned properties. And at the time you're like, I don't know, maybe this will go on forever. You know, when you, when you first get in and you have no idea what cycles are and everything else, that book really, really helped me understand, okay, there are market cycles. There are shifts in the market. What's working today. If you're not paying attention and you're not changing yourself and your business, what's working today could easily just get swept out from under you tomorrow. And so what Mm -hmm. are you doing now to prepare and to really have your ear to the ground for the next shift, whatever that is. And so I, you know, when I read that and it really sunk in, I realized, okay, you know, looking at the market from 2008 to about 2011, I think when that book came out, 2010, somewhere around there, you know, we're just buying straight REOs. There's a lot of guys going down to the auction. They're buying, you know, foreclosures at the courthouse steps, so to speak. And they're buying, you know, 15 or 20 a month and they're killing it. And, uh, and so once I kind of digested that, I'm like, this isn't going to, this can't last forever. You know, there's not going to be just market desolation forever. It's not just going to be a wasteland. There's going to be a time where this Mm -hmm. comes back, you know, values increase, maybe, uh, REOs go away, foreclosures dip. And, and so I really shifted right then to looking more at short sales at the time. And I think a lot of people were just like, REOs are easy, short sales, nobody really knows what's going on. It's kind of the wild west at the time. And, and it takes a lot longer, right? So you can close in 15 days on an REO, and on a short sale, you're waiting months and months and months. So where's the easiest thing? Where's mm-hmm. people going to go? And so I started looking more at short sales and said, you know what? If I can fill up a pipeline of 20 or 30 of these, you know, of course, they're not all going to work out. But if even if half of them work out, they're really good deals and I'm helping somebody out, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is huge. And, um, and I'm shifting kind of diversifying my, my strategy there. Um, uh, at the time I was like the, the youngest agent in the, in my office who knew anything about short sales. So I had like the, the president of the, you know, the realtor association, you know, coming to me going like, what do I do with this? We're upside down. I don't know any of the processes. And, and at the time, I knew A to Z, each individual step of what you need, needed to do to submit a package to the bank all the way through closing. And so I, I, uh, I shifted there. And then as the market kept in going up and up and up in price, I realized, okay, these people underwater aren't going to be underwater for much longer. I can't have all my eggs in the short sale basket. Mm-hmm. By that time, REO was almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what, I have to, I have to go find these sellers before they hit the market. And so started to shift into more off market strategies. And sure enough, like now, I think I looked up short sales on MLS and there's like three, you know, and, and in 2011, there was about 3,500, you know, short sales to choose from. And now there's three. So if you're the short sale guy, 
and you're going after those three listings, you're out of business. You know, I don't know how you can survive like that. Mm-hmm. Or the auction guy who is buying 15 a month. And now there might be, you know, just 15 that come through for that month or for that week. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, you're going after this short pool that's going away. And so if you haven't shifted yet, you know, it's probably not too late, but you want to be on the front edge of that shift, not the back end. So, so very true. It's unbelievable because a lot of times people can get caught up just doing the same thing they've always been doing. But uh, the market changes and short sales will be back at some point. REOs will be back and all those strategies that you've been using will be able to be applied once again because it is just a cycle. Right, exactly. So from a habits perspective, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis, uh, some of your keystone habits that end up leading you to uh, living a great life and feeling great? So um, another one of those mindset books that kind of shifted was Miracle Morning that everybody's read, I'm sure by now. And if they haven't, they probably should. But really getting in the habit of having a routine in the morning that sets you up for the day. And so my ideal day, now we won't say that we hit this 100% just because we're human, right? Uh, But my ideal day is uh, not looking at my phone for email or or social media um, first thing in the morning and um, so getting up around 5.30 or so, uh, making sure to get in you know, a workout or sweating or stretching. And then I have two really of my favorite things that I do. One is journaling. I have the High Performance Journal, High Performance Habits Journal. And I really love that approach because it really, it's not just like, what's my appointments for the day? It really asks really good questions that gets you thinking in the morning about what's, what do I want my day to look like? And when my day's over, how do I want to have that look? Do I want to feel proud? Do I want to feel accomplished? Like I, you know, kicked butt all day, whatever that looks like. And then the other one is a daily stoic journal. And so I go through that every day. It really helps me set kind of my mindset for the whole day. And on top of that, I'll do some visualization, um, some affirmations. I do have a uh, rebounder over here and that, that comes out. And so kind of just get get me going in the morning so that I can get off on that right foot. And then, you know, when, when everybody starts waking up and, you know, my son goes to school and we kind of move forward through the day, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, I've, I've accomplished a lot already and it's only, you know, seven o'clock or eight o'clock. So that, that's my ideal day for sure. That's great. That's some powerful, powerful habits that you have there. So we've made it to the uh, the final questions, uh, the growth fire round. All right. The questions are fast, but the answers are not. <laughs> so tell me, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one that you're uh, really excited about right now? Probably the one that's impacted me the most is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And um, it came kind of at the right time in my life where I needed kind of a, I guess, an operating system reboot in my head. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've kind of adopted a lot of stoic philosophies and I love reading about just kind of this, like life is your reaction to what happens, not what happens. Cause you can't control what happens a lot of the time, but you can mm-hmm. absolutely control how you feel about it, your attitude about it and how you move forward from there. And once you focus on that side, instead of, um, you hinted at it earlier of like, why me? Why does this happen to me? I have terrible luck. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. comes and, you know, T-bones you at an intersection, you could go down that route or you could, or you could go down the positive route of what can I change? What can I learn from this? How do I move forward? 
you know, in the best way so that tomorrow I'm better than I was today. And I'm not just like, oh, why was me? Now I need a new car or, you know, I have to go to physical therapy. You go, no, I get to go to physical therapy so I can go back to playing the sports that I want to play or, or do this that I want to do. And so that, that book is honestly my favorite and I've given it out more times than, than any other book for sure. That is one of my favorite books. It is on my yearly reread list, nice. meaning I, I read it every year because it usually puts me right back in the, in the right place that I need to be uh, when I'm going through kind of a tough time. Exactly. So I, I love that you suggest that. Nice. Purpose. Why do you do what you do, Anson? So I, I actually have my purpose up on a big poster um, right behind me. And I printed it out in this big format because I wanted to read it every single day. So I can kind of sit in my office, you know, first thing in the morning and really look it over and ground myself every day. So my purpose is to live, you know, a truly amazing life and to and basically to sum it up, I want to be the best person that I can be. I want to impact my family in the most positive way. You know, I want my son to think that I'm the best dad ever. I want my wife to think that I'm, you know, the best husband ever. And I just want to grow and be the best person that I can be every single day and have a positive impact through everybody that I meet. That's, that's awesome. See, feel, hear, and know. That's right. What the purpose of Anson's life is. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Inspiration. Who are some mentors that had an influence on your career and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I can't uh, talk about that without talking about Ryan Holiday again. Um, all of his books and um, just his, his outlook kind of introducing a lot of people to to this stoic philosophy has been huge. Um, of course, uh, Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins have been huge. You know, they don't know it, but they're, you know, they're, they're definitely my mentors for sure. You know, and, and lately been listening to some, you know, Andy Frazella from MF CEO, um, really good kind of down to earth, just doer, you know, he, he, he kind of walks the walk. And so we could talk up here about um, these concepts all day, but I love hearing from people who get down and dirty and do the work every single day. So those are probably my, my top four or five guys who have really impacted my life in ways that they'll never understand. But here we are. Some very impactful people. Those are some of my digital mentors as well. I love that we share that. And so finally here, what drives you to live your best life every day? My drive is honestly, I think if you break it all the way down, it's probably my family. In, in, in my desire to, to be the best for them and to provide the best that I can, um, to provide opportunities that I never was given, you know, to be the kind of mentor and, and figure that I never had, you know, for my son. And, and basically, you know, a lot of the decisions that I do on a daily basis is to make sure that we have the lifestyle that we enjoy, which isn't, you know, I think Andy, yeah, Andy said it where he was like, we don't have flashy cars, you know, we don't live in a giant mansion, you know, but we have more freedom than the average bear and we can go and do things that, that a lot of other people can't. And, um, and I want to never take that for granted and to, you know, push forward to just, just to be the best that we can be as a unit. Cause there's not a lot of us. We don't have a ton of cousins, a ton of, uh, you know, parents left, unfortunately, we're, we're a pretty strong core group here, the three of us. And I want to make sure that we're driving forward every day, just being the best that we can be. That's great. I love that. That's some really powerful stuff. And thank you so much for being here with us, Anson. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Um, I usually point people towards my bigger pockets profile. 
biggerpockets.com slash users slash Anson. Or you can find me on Facebook, just facebook.com slash Anson Young. Either way, they can uh, go there and find more about me. Obviously, if you're a real estate investor, come come hit me up on Bigger Pockets. Um, if you're not, just come find me on uh, Facebook and uh, and we can hook up there for sure. That's great. And if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely go buy the book, Finding and Funding Great Deals by Anson, published by Bigger Pockets. And uh, definitely get in touch. Anson's doing some great things. So thank you so much for being with us here, Anson. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 